Welcome to the First Pres Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.20, 9.45, and 11.10. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Well, open your Bibles, if you would, with me this morning to Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. As we read from the Word of the Lord in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. Hear now the Word of the Lord. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask that you would Accompany your word with your Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts to receive your word and to understand and to know you better and to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, nice to see that that bumper video, we call it, kind of now reminds us of where we've been in the beloved series. He's right around the corner now. The beloved comes. And in this imaginative walk toward Christmas that we call Advent, where we're kind of receiving the Lord again each year, we're imagining him, him coming, and he's very near now. The Lord draws near to us, and, and maybe we feel a little nervous, like we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. Are we, are we ready? Am I ready? Jesus is coming. You might think of it in terms of a a bride getting ready for a wedding, and you can never get ready enough. There's always something. I hope to lose that 10 pounds. I had hoped to, you know, change this or that. I wanted to be perfect for that special day. I wanted to be perfectly put together. We capture some of that anxiety in the way we talk about Santa Claus, don't we? Poor old guy. Uh, We'd sing that song about him. He's making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice. You know, that's, a, that's that anxiety. Do, are we ready? Which side are we on? I have to admit I've been terrorizing my own little boys with that song this month. <laughs> you know, there's that age where that works. And uh, in fact, you just have to look at them when they're misbehaving and just start to hum the tune. <laughs> da 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 Yep. Jesus is coming. And are we ready? I'd love to be ready. But as he comes, Jesus calls out, don't worry. All is forgiven. Forgiveness. 
Jesus has won our forgiveness. Jesus has purchased our forgiveness. And I think it's a gift that we leave behind sometimes. It's a gift we fail to open. And I'm not a guy to leave gifts behind. I'm the one who likes to crawl behind the chair and and around the tree and every bend of the little blanket, get down to the bottom of the stocking. There's no reason to leave a good present behind. And sometimes we leave forgiveness behind behind. Sometimes we fail to receive the forgiveness won by Jesus Christ. Maybe it's sometimes a difficult gift to receive, but we need it. At the end of the week, we'll have a pretty big celebration. You know that. There will be lights and candles and songs and all kinds of of wonderful things happening in here and bells and fudge and presents and and cookies and fudge (laughs) and fudge and all kinds of stuff. We'll have all those things, but we don't celebrate those things. We don't celebrate the songs and the good feelings and the sweets. We have those things in order to celebrate something else. And what we celebrate is very clear. For he, that's God the Father, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That's the beloved the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's what we celebrate. You can let Jesus in. You can open the door to him. You can allow the light of Christ to come nearer to you than it ever has in the past. You can receive the gift. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's what Christmas is all about. We need forgiveness. And that's not a point I'm really going to argue if you want to argue that point, you can stay after class. I think, I think we all know we need forgiveness. But what I'm going to argue is that we're slow to receive forgiveness, that we miss forgiveness. We leave behind the gift of forgiveness. Why? Because we have it stuck in our heads that we have to get ourselves right first and then meet Jesus. We probably had bad parents singing, he's making a list and checking it twice all the time. Our friends back in Georgia who had kids at the same age as ours, uh, we had a way of talking about Saturday night bath time, and they would call it wash up for Jesus night. (laughs) Say, it's Saturday night, kids. It's wash up for Jesus night. And we all started saying that because we thought it was pretty funny. And then we thought, maybe we shouldn't say that. <laughs> you know, maybe that's not a, a phrase that we want our kids to absorb. We already have a tendency to avoid God, to steer clear of Jesus, because we don't want him to see the mess that we're in. We think we need to wash up first. Wash up for Jesus. Get it all right and then come. But Jesus is all about the mess. 
Isaiah 52 foretells of the coming of Jesus. I want to share with you the ESV translation of those verses. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. How beautiful the feet of him who brings good news. The beautiful feet are the feet of Jesus. He's the one. The beautiful feet are the same feet the forgiven woman washed with her own tears and hair. The feet of good news. The feet of one with authority to announce the reign of God. With authority to publish salvation across the world. The watchmen have been watching. They've been watching for those feet to come over the hills and into the city. And then eye to eye, face to face, they see Jesus, the return of the Lord. And then what happens? Break forth into singing, you waste places, the ESV says. Or as the NIV, as we read it, puts it here, burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. Can you picture that? Jesus is coming, the watchmen may have said to one another. Now, we can see he's on his way. Let's fix the ruins. We've got to fix the waste places. He's coming and he's getting close. But that's exactly what Jesus is coming to see. Here are the watchmen watching over the tower, looking for the feet of the beautiful one, the beautiful feet of him bearing good news. And they say, hey, fix the ruins. Hey, before he gets over here, we should fix this. We should put it together. And they say, no, just just leave them. Well, what do you mean? These ruins, they're a shame. These stones are an embarrassment. These waste places, I don't want him to see that. No, just leave it there. Just leave it there. Why? Why? Because that's exactly what he's coming to do. We think, I can't come to Jesus. I can't allow the light of Christ into my life. I can't start going to church on Sunday morning or, or start going to a, a missional community meeting or uh, Alpha or a small group. I can't go to the, that women's uh, Tuesday morning Bible study. I can't do those things because why? Well, because my life is too ruinous and and messy. There are too many waste places. It's all too discombobulated. I'd be ashamed to show up there. I'd have to recombobulate it first. And then I could go. No, you don't. The mess is exactly what Jesus is coming to see. The waste places are exactly where Jesus intends to bring healing. Oh, I can't allow the light of Christ to shine on that. Yes, you can. And yes, you must. He's the one come to put it all back together. Jesus came to enter your mess. 
Just look at how God enters the world. If I were God, the creator, maker of all things, and I was sending my son, my beloved only begotten son, into the world that I made to fix it, I might have done it differently. You remember in in, uh, London in 2012, the opening ceremony? James Bond himself went to Buckingham Palace, picked up Queen Elizabeth as a personal escort. Together they climbed into a helicopter. They flew all around the city of London, every quarter cheering for them as they flew overhead. And then they hovered over the, uh, the stadium and James Bond and Queen Elizabeth, they put on parachutes, jumped out of the helicopter and, and parachuted in in front of 80,000 raucous fans with one billion people watching around the world on TV. I'm not sure she actually jumped. That might have been a trick. But wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that make more sense for the Son of God to enter the world? Wouldn't that be a better entry? But how did God enter? How did Jesus come? How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. God descended into the womb of Mary in Jesus Christ. God was born a child. The eternal and almighty God who spun the universe into being was cradled helplessly in the arms of Mary. Born to Mary and Joseph who were themselves in a a helpless moment. They were away from home. They were refugees. They were powerless, surviving on the haphazard kindness of strangers. Jesus' birth was announced by angels, but not to a king, not to the emperor of Rome, not to the satraps of Persia, not even to the chief priests of Jerusalem. The, The angels announced it to a group of shepherds out in the fields. Randy Alcorn pointed out some years ago that although David himself was a shepherd before he became a king, by the time of Jesus' birth, shepherds were outcasts. He said, in Christ's day, shepherds stood on the bottom rung of the Palestinian social ladder. They shared the same unenviable status as tax collectors and dung sweepers. Some rabbinical writings said shepherds were not to be trusted. They said, if you buy something from a shepherd, assume it's been stolen. Some other writings said there's no obligation to help a shepherd who's fallen into a pit. These were the lowest of the low. And here's Jesus, God's own son, the Holy One, born to a humble couple in a manger, a feeding stall, a cave full of of livestock announced to shepherds. See, Jesus determined to prove he is not afraid of the mess. Jesus wants us to know we need not try to set everything right. We don't need to build a palace to receive the Lord. We don't need to prepare everything and have it all straight for him to arrive. We need only let him in. He intends to enter the mess. We fail to receive forgiveness because we don't want Jesus to enter our mess. But it's from the ruins and the waste places 
that we sing with joy, that the song erupts. Let them get there. Let them come. All of that is, is the first point. That's the first point. I hope I made it clear. The second point is this. We also fail to receive forgiveness because even though Christ has forgiven us, we will not forgive ourselves. Paul and Timothy write to the church in Colossae, we pray for you. We pray for you. Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And they prayed what? They prayed that the church would have full knowledge, full wisdom, full understanding of what God has done. You see, as Pastor Tim Keller explains in his book, Hidden Christmas, the message of Christmas is good news, not good advice. Advice, he writes, is counsel about what you must do. News is a report about what has already been done. The gospel narratives are telling you not what you should do, but what God has done. The birth of the Son of God into the world is a gospel, good news, an announcement. You don't save yourself. God has come to save you. Amen? So we pray, say Paul and Timothy, we pray that you would know this. We pray that you would believe this, that you would accept this. God has forgiven you in Christ. God has changed your status in Christ. You are not unacceptable, unqualified, unforgiven. You are redeemed in Christ. And so they say, we pray. We pray that you would let this sink in and that you would, as he says in verses 12 to 14, that you would give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Why do Paul and Timothy have to pray so hard for this people to get it? Why do they have to pray continually that they would understand it? Why do they have to pray for this church when once that's been announced? They've already been told, we pray day by day that you would receive this. Why do they have to pray so hard for them? Because no matter how many times we hear it, we have a hard time believing it. We don't believe forgiveness is actually possible. We continue to damn ourselves with shame and condemnation instead of accepting and believing the forgiveness of God met in Jesus Christ. The pastor of uh, Hillsong Church, a man named Brian Houston, and he wrote in a book recently, one of the greatest obstacles to enjoying the, blessing, the blessings God grants us is the heavy weight of shame. Shame isolates us and weighs on us, burdening us with the past in ways that try to sabotage our glorious future. You can live thinking that you owe it to yourself, to feel bad about things that have gone on before. And I'm not saying you should ever take your past sins lightly. What I'm saying is that there's real hope 
in Jesus. Your focus should be on following Christ, not on looking over your shoulder and regretting what you can't change. Shame is a prison, but the door to your cell is open. Jesus calls you to follow him in the freedom of grace. Is that good news? Amen. So what shall we do? Shall we continue to condemn ourselves when Christ has already won our forgiveness? No. Let's not leave that gift behind. Let's receive. We miss forgiveness first because we don't want Jesus to see our mess. We miss it in a second instance because we would rather condemn ourselves. And finally, our third point, we fail to receive forgiveness because it is a hard gift to receive. Some gifts are difficult to receive because once you receive them, you recognize your need. John Ortberg said recently that he was given last year two pairs of nose hair trimmers from two different people. And he had to just accept, I guess this is something I need. Some gifts are, are, hard, to, uh, are hard to receive. <laughs> Maybe you've been in a position of hardship in your life. Maybe you've been in a, a, a place of debt and someone in your family, some friend moved forward and they helped you up. And that's a hard gift to receive. Our pride doesn't want it. Our pride doesn't want us to be in the position of receiving. Our pride comes along and whispers in our ear, just one more little effort and we can clean this all up. Just a few more days and you'll find a way to fix the ruins. You'll find a way to repair the waste places. Don't say yes to Jesus. Don't let Jesus come in and save you. You can make it on your own. You can do this, our pride says. We're embarrassed that God has to intervene on our behalf. Friends, God is not embarrassed. Jesus Christ is not ashamed. The Lord is not embarrassed. He came to address the mess. He came to administer amazing grace, to forgive you even where you condemn yourself. Jesus came to bring you home, and there's no shame in where he found you. He knew of the ruins and the waste places. He knew where he would reach you, where you were living, where things had gone wrong. He knew where you were, and that's how he knew where to go to find you. And he's not ashamed. He's not embarrassed. Jesus came to save us from our sins. See, it is not your sufficiency that will allow you to know Christ. It is your insufficiency that gives him room to move in, to rescue, to redeem to get all the way to the stones of the ruins and the waste places and to stand there and begin the song of joy. The greatest adventure, the most fulfilling life, it begins with humble acceptance of the forgiveness and grace met in Jesus Christ, our Savior.
Let's pray. Lord, we would love to have everything together. We would love to be totally repaired. No ruins, no waste places, nothing, Lord, that causes embarrassment as your light shines on it. But, Lord, give us courage and help us to open our lives to you so that you can walk in directly into those places that you intend to heal and to redeem Lord, we know, as the Scriptures tells us in Isaiah, that your feet, bringing good news, intend to come into the ruins, into the waste places, and from there proclaim salvation and initiate an eternal song of joy. Help us, Lord, not to block any of that. Come into our lives. Help us to know your grace and your forgiveness and your redeeming love as we celebrate your glory on Christmas Day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at first-prez.org.